Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon. Episode 12, Marshal Mortier, Duke of Treviso. At over six foot four inches tall, Mortier was the tallest marshal, and it was said that he was also the friendliest marshal. All of his brother marshals had kind things to say about Mortier. Napoleon's volatile relationships with his marshals are well documented. He used a divide and rule system to prevent any of them from being strong enough to overthrow his government. He allowed personal rivalries between them to a point so that no one of them or group of them could overthrow the emperor. Other than Berthier, who outranked all of the marshals as chief of staff, the other 25 marshals were equal in rank. This led to many disputes on and off the battlefield. Augereau and Lan were friends, and both despised Murat and Bessier, who were friends. Davu and Bernadotte loathed each other, but Davu and Oudinot were tight friends until 1815, when Oudinot refused to serve in the restored government of the emperor. Davu also had famous rows with Murat and Berthier, the latter somewhat jealous of Davu's strategic gifts. Victor and Soult were cordial to each other, but hated the rest of the group, and the feelings were mutual. Ney's volatile personality made him a difficult man to be around. Messena couldn't stand him, and eventually relieved him of command for insubordination. All of the marshals who served in Spain had a low opinion of Marshal Jordan, and considered him a lackey of King Joseph. Marmont thought he was smarter than the others, which didn't earn him any friends. Monsi was respected for his honesty, but his ability was questionable, as Lon stated to Napoleon, quote, he is a long way from understanding your majesty's kind of war, end quote. No one liked Saint-Cyr, but the Stoic Marshal didn't care. Suchet was quiet and effective, a rare combination amongst the marshals. Oudinot, Ney, and MacDonald were similar in their sledgehammer ways, so of course they didn't like each other. Amidst all this turmoil and inner politicking to gain Napoleon's favor, Mortier stood out from the pack, in height and as a friend to all. Edouard Mortier was born on February 13th, 1768, in a small commune in northern France. He was the sixth child of Charles Mortier and Marie-Anne-Joseph Bonner. His father was a well-to-do farmer and landowner, which enabled his son to have a solid education. His father also traded in British linens, and his mother had ties in England, which enabled the future marshal to become fluent in English. He initially started his career as a merchant, but didn't have the knack for bookkeeping. During the French Revolution, his father secured him a commission as an officer in a volunteer cavalry unit. A short time later, his dash and enthusiasm enabled him to be elected captain of the unit at the age of 23. Courage and loyalty were two things that never failed the future marshal. He enjoyed laughter, wine, and the companionship of his troops. Cheerful and modest, 
he didn't mind subordinating himself to other marshals if the situation called for it. He was easily influenced by his staff officers and somewhat careless in his troop dispositions. But when the shooting started, he had a natural calm about him, similar to Marshal Massena. In 1792, he received his first taste of battle along the border of Belgium against the Austrians. While leading a 550-man battalion, he had a horse shot out from under him. Although he was surrounded by a larger Austrian force, he managed to hold his position for six hours longer than anyone had expected. He was promoted to major shortly afterwards and served on the staff of the future Marshal Jordan. At Jordan's pivotal Battle of Flores, Mortier served with distinction under General Kleber. Kleber would write later to Paris about Mortier, quote, With such leaders, a general can neglect to count the number of his enemies, end quote. Mortier took another step in his career with a promotion to colonel and befriended another colonel, the future Marshal Soult. In 1798, Jordan recommended him for promotion to brigadier general, but Mortier turned down the promotion. He wasn't a relentless self-promoter like Murat or Augereau. He preferred being amongst his men as a colonel in the front lines. In 1799, he married 20-year-old Anne-Yves Himmel, who was the daughter of an innkeeper. The marshal was 11 years older than her at the time. The couple would go on to have six children. His son, Napoleon Mortier, would become the second Duke of Treviso and would serve as a senator in the government of Napoleon III. At the end of Mortier's honeymoon with his new bride, he finally accepted a promotion to Brigadier General. The moment wasn't lost on Mortier. Riding on his horse to the army of the Danube, he received a message from one of his chasseurs and said, quote, This is the first dispatch I've received as general. Let us dismount and drink some brandy. End quote. During the defense of Switzerland, Brigadier Mortier was serving in a division under the supervision of Soult and Messina. He wrote to General Lefebvre of the coming fight against Suvorov's Russians, quote, These famous soldiers do not intimidate us, end quote. After a sharp action at Wolosoven, his brigade inflicted 300 casualties on the Russians. During the latter, Second Battle of Zurich, the Russians mauled his 8,000 troops, but this pulled the Russians deeper into Masena's trap. For his efforts in the victory, Massena promoted Mortier to general of division. Later, in 1799, he welcomed Napoleon's coup d'etat, as he just wanted a strong government in, in Paris that would support the army. In return, Napoleon would get a man who would follow all orders without question and stay by his side when most others deserted him in 1814. His first mission for the First Council was to seize Hanover, which was a long-held British possession in northwest Germany. 
Mortier's 20,000 troops marched 145 miles in five days and overran Hamburg and Bremen. Napoleon was pleased, saying, quote, You have struck a deadly blow at England. End quote. For these deeds and prior accomplishments, Napoleon named him a marshal on the original list of 18. In his role as governor of Hanover, he was accused of looting and greed by the inhabitants, but Napoleon dismissed these complaints. He was later recalled to command the 5,500 troops of the famed Imperial Guard. In 1805, he accompanied the Emperor in the Ulm campaign and ceded command of the Guard to Marshal Bessier. He received a newly formed 8th Corps, composed of the divisions of General Gazan and General Dupont. In November of 1805, his corps was pursuing Austrian troops in Napoleon's Danube campaign. His lines of march became overextended, and the talented Russian general Kutuzov set a trap for Mortier. Overextended lines can lead to disaster, as an aggressive enemy can get in between strung out divisions and destroy each one in detail. Gazan's division was caught in a valley between two Russian and Austrian divisions. At the resulting Battle of Durenstein, the marshal and his troops were outnumbered four to one. Mortier refused to escape by boat and led his troops saber in hand with a breakout charge against the Russian lines. As the battle raged, his staff urged him repeatedly to escape by boat to avoid capture. Mortier replied, quote, No, reserve this resource for the wounded. One who has the honor to command such brave soldiers should esteem himself and be happy to share the lot and perish with them. We still have two guns and some boxes of grape. Let us close our ranks and make a last effort. End quote. The fighting extended into the night, and Gazan and Mortier were saved by the timely arrival of Dupont's division. Both sides suffered 5,000 casualties, with Gazan's division alone having 40% of his men killed, wounded, or captured. Three eagles of the Imperial Army were taken. Napoleon was incensed that Mortier ignored his advice to protect his northern flank. The emperor was also irate with Marshal Murat, who Napoleon felt had abandoned Mortier for the prize of capturing the capital city of Vienna. General Gazan received the Legion of Honor for his heroic efforts over difficult terrain. Mortier was reassigned. In 1806, during the war against Prussia, Mortier was called back to the front as leader of the reconstituted Eighth Corps. He took 5,500 troops and six cannons into the province of Hesse-Kessel and pushed aside their army of 20,000. Mortier was made governor of Hesse and Hamburg. In 1807, he reinforced Marshal Lahn and Napoleon in the pivotal Battle of Friedland against the Russians. After that victory, Napoleon made him Duke of Treviso, a hereditary title that was passed down to his son. A month later, he was ordered to Spain as commander of the Fifth Corps 
consisting of 22,000 soldiers and 50 cannons. He was unique of the 16 marshals who served in Spain in that he hardly had a setback in battle. But he didn't always move at the speed the emperor wanted. He assisted Marshal Monsi in the siege of Saragossa. It was a tough city to conquer because it was protected by two medieval walls and two rivers. The strength of the city was a maze of stout defensive buildings with narrow streets, which made it easy to barricade the town. After some half-hearted attempts to take the city, Marshal Long arrived at the scene to take over command from the two marshals and led the French to victory. In November 1809, Mortier assisted Marshal Soult in his epic victory over the Spanish in the Battle of Ocana. In this battle, Mortier performed well. As the front lines of the French, broken by the fire of Spanish cannons, began to waver, the marshal rode up to General Girard's division. Mortier and Girard led the division through the front line and caught the enemy at a weak point and completely turned the battle. Mortier was slightly injured by grape shot to the arm but the victory secured 14,000 Spanish prisoners, 50 cannons, and the entire baggage train of the enemy. In February of 1811, Mortier secured the most cost-efficient victory of the Peninsula War in terms of manpower used and lost. At the Battle of Gabora, Marshal Soult was a nominal command, but Mortier was running the show from the front lines. He had 7,000 troops and 12 cannons arrayed against 12,000 Spanish soldiers and 17 cannons. In a textbook example of a combined arms assault, Mortier used a frontal assault with his infantry to pin the Spanish army, while his cavalry used a surprise attack to flank them from the side. To protect against the blistering cavalry assault, the Spanish formed squares, which made them easy pickings for the French artillery. One Spanish soldier recalled, quote, Their artillery played upon us in a most horrible fashion, until the square became an oval, and then an unformed mass that the cavalry were able to penetrate and take prisoner, end quote. The Spanish general in charge ignored the Duke of Wellington's advice to entrench his men, and the result for the Spanish was 1,000 casualties and 4,000 troops and all cannons captured. In stark comparison, Mortier suffered just 403 casualties. From Spain, Mortier was recalled to command the 17,000 troops of the Young Guard in the 1812 invasion of Russia. For those of you who might be unfamiliar with the Imperial Guard, they were an elite group of soldiers that acted as Napoleon's personal bodyguard and tactical reserve. The guard received better pay, food, quarters, and equipment, and all guardsmen ranked one grade higher than the regular Grand Army soldiers. The other French troops referred to them as the Immortals. The 1812 trek across Russia was a difficult one. As Mortier stated, quote, I have seen nothing but ruined houses and abandoned carts. 10,000 horses have been killed already by the cold rains and by eating unripe rye. The smell 
is perfectly horrible. But that is not as bad as the shortness of rations. Several of my young guard have already starved to death. End quote. Despite the repeated requests of the other marshals, Napoleon refused to use his guard at the climactic Battle of Borodino. The wisdom of this decision has been debated for 200 years. After the French army captured Moscow, Mortier was appointed governor of the city. After the decision was made to leave Moscow and return to France, Napoleon sent Mortier a barbaric order to blow up the Kremlin. Whether it was due to wet fuses or Mortier's better judgment, the Kremlin was not destroyed. During the retreat to France, the guard played a vital role in the Battle of Krasny by holding open the road of escape for the French army. This description of the old guard provides some detail on the resolve of the guard units. It comes from a Russian partisan leader named Denis Davidov. Quote, After midday, we sighted the old guard, with Napoleon riding in their midst. The enemy troops, sighting our unruly force, got their muskets at the ready and proudly continued on their way without hurrying their step. Like blocks of granite, they remained invulnerable. I shall never forget the unhurried step and awesome resolution of these soldiers, for whom the threat of death was a daily and familiar experience. With their tall, bearskin caps, blue uniforms, white belts, red plumes, and epaulets, they look like poppies on the snow-covered battlefield. Column followed upon column, dispersing us with musket fire and ridiculing our useless display of chivalry. The Imperial Guard with Napoleon plowed through our Cossacks like a hundred-gun ship through fishing skiffs. End quote. This display of military efficiency influenced the Russian general Kutuzov to cancel a planned offensive. Instead, the Russian cannons blasted away at the young guard from afar. During the cannonade, Napoleon summoned Mortier and told him, quote, There is not a minute to lose. The enemy is breaking through on every side. Kutuzov may reach the last bend of the Dnieper before me. I must move rapidly with the old guard to occupy that passage. Devu will relieve you. Together, you must try to hold out at Krasny until nightfall. Then you will rejoin me. End quote. Despite the guards' impressive effect on the Russians, cold and hunger decimated their ranks, along with the rest of the French army. Only 1,500 of the young guard survived to reach the Berezina River. Mortier finally made it back to Paris in February of 1813. Mortier continued to lead the Young Guard at the battles of Lutzen and Bautzen in 1813. He also shared in Napoleon's victory at Dresden, but this was to be the last big success. A short time later, Napoleon, Mortier, and the other marshals suffered an awful defeat at the Battle of Leipzig. Later, in the 1814 defense of France, Mortier was to outshine the droopy-plumed marshals like Victor and Marmont, who looked ready to throw in the towel. Mortier went above and beyond with his loyalty and performance when his peers did not. During the Battle of Paris, 
in late March 1814, Mortier led 6,000 young guard troops against 30,000 Allied soldiers in a futile attempt to save the city. Once he learned of Marshal Marmont's surrender, Mortier sent his troops to Napoleon to assure him, quote, of my constant loyalty and the devotion of the young guard, end quote. However, Napoleon abdicated shortly after. Only then did Mortier swear his allegiance to the returning King Louis XVIII. He was made a peer by the king, but later rejoined Napoleon's cause when the emperor escaped from Elba. During the Waterloo campaign, Mortier was to lead the Imperial Guard, but the 47-year-old came down with a painful attack of sciatica in his back. He was barely able to walk and unable to even mount a horse. The rigors of campaigning were hard on both Napoleon and his marshals. Mortier asked Napoleon to be relieved of command. He sold two horses to Marshal Ney right before the climactic Battle of Waterloo. After Napoleon's defeat, Mortier was held in disgrace by the returning court of King Louis. But he was returned to favor in 1819 and made appear once again. In 1826, at the funeral of Marshal Suchet, Mortier delivered the eulogy of his former colleague. In the 1830s, Mortier served as ambassador to Russia and briefly minister of war. In 1835, Mortier was doomed to become the last marshal killed by violence. During a review of the Paris National Guard, the 67-year-old Mortier was in the company of King Louis-Philippe on the parade route. As they marched the retinue through the streets, a political dissident named Giuseppe Marco Fieschi attempted to assassinate the king with a volley gun. The assassin fixed 25 musket barrels to a wooden frame and prearranged them to fire simultaneously. A few of the barrels burst when he fired them, and Fieschi was gravely injured. He was captured and tried along with two co-conspirators. All three went to the guillotine. Eighteen people were killed in the attack, including Marshal Mortier, and another 22 were injured. The king received only minor injuries, but wept openly at the marshal's funeral. His wife would go on to outlive the marshal by 20 years. The remaining marshals were shocked by his violent death. On hearing the news, Marshal Soult pointed to the heavens and remarked, quote, I began to hear them sounding the recall up there, end quote. Mortier's battle record was nine wins and four losses. He impressed his colleagues and enemies alike with his straightforward demeanor. A British contemporary stated, quote, any officer would be proud to serve under him, end quote. His humble attitude, quiet obedience, and loyalty are the defining characteristics that stand out amongst the marshalette. In the end, Napoleon could have used more like him. I think we'll end our episode at this point. Join us next time for our 13th episode, where we will fittingly learn about the unlucky Marshall McDonald. Thanks for listening.